This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, June 24th. I'm Matt Hoish. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Delta variant increases need for vaccination. Norwood welcomes new chief marshal. Heritage Stories highlights community member. And a mountain weather forecast. As summer 2021 ramps up, the state of COVID-19 in and around San Miguel County is a bit of a mixed bag. Colorado continues to see a decline in cases, hospitalizations, and deaths, but the state is also one of the top 10 in the U.S. in terms of cases per capita. On top of that, the more transmissible Delta variant is now the dominant form of the virus in Colorado. The initial kind of COVID variant circulating in the U.S., it was still very contagious. But like in a family of seven, maybe two or three people would get it. With this Delta variant, there's a higher rate of transmitting it to someone. And so you'll watch like a whole family of seven end up positive for it. That's Dr. Sharon Grundy, San Miguel County Medical Officer and a physician at the Telluride Regional Medical Center, speaking on KOTO on Thursday. But she adds the vaccines remain around 90% effective, even with the rise of the Delta variant. What's great is we're still super confident in the three vaccines that are available to us. So again, please get vaccinated. What we're worried about is these pockets of people who are not vaccinated, which include our children under the age of 12, that this will spread very quickly once it's here. So we're, we're really not out of the woods yet. But vaccines are also not 100% effective. Since the start of the local vaccination campaign, San Miguel County has seen three breakthrough COVID cases in people who received the Moderna vaccine and five in Johnson & Johnson recipients. That's out of roughly 5,300 fully vaccinated people in the county. Still, even with the rise of the Delta variant, Grundy thinks the region is past the point of reinstating widespread public health restrictions. This now is kind of an individual decision for people to kind of make, like, vaccines work, do I get vaccinated, do I not? That personal decision-making also goes for other precautions. Hey, and when we're in an environment and a crowded space, we need to make sure we're masked or distancing, especially for people who are unvaccinated. If you're vaccinated, I still feel you're good to go. Unless, again, you're in a really tight space, then I'd, I'd be a little careful and just pop a mask on. And for anyone who's feeling sick... Stop stay home, get tested. I think we should all, and this I think is not just COVID-19, this is for other things. Let's remind ourselves we do better probably not going to work, not sending our kids to a camp or school sick. Be social, but be smart about it and check in on one another, Grundy says. And she stresses, get vaccinated. Norwood has a new chief marshal. Katie Nisham was sworn into her position earlier this week. KOTO News caught up with Nisham to talk about her background and where she sees the department going in the future. Can you share a little of your background and why working at the Norwood Marshals feels like a good fit? I originally started off at San Miguel Sheriff's Office back in 2015. Uh, They hired me and put me through the academy and I worked for them for almost six years. And then I was just kind of ready for a little bit of a change. And I got hired down at Durango Police Department. 
and I worked for Durango actually for a pretty short time. And when I saw this position here in Norwood open at the marshal's office, I was like, man, no, that actually sounds like a great opportunity for me. Norwood is a community that's really close to my heart. And it's also, you know, close to my family's heart. I've had my mom's side of the family is from Norwood and we have tons and tons and tons of, you know, family here and just generations of being here. So it's a community that means a lot to me. And one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to come here was, you know, to make a difference in a community that really meant a lot to me. You're stepping into a big and likely at times challenging job. Uh, What do you see as some of the potential challenges for the Norwood Marshal's office and law enforcement in Norwood in general? Well, for one, I think one of the biggest challenges for Norwood Marshal's office is probably budget and being able to, you know, find the right people here because it is such a small agency. I think you need somebody who you know, can do a little bit of everything. And then also when you hire a deputy marshal, um, somebody who's, you know, know, knows what they're expecting. You know, Norwood's not a really big community and there's not going to be a whole lot of, you know, I guess action, I would say, as compared to like Durango or, you know, some of the bigger places. And so I think those are some big challenges um, because, you know, of course, I want to have all the bells and whistles and all the great technology that there is out there for law enforcement, but we're definitely, you know, strained on, you know, what we can do. So we'd have to, you know, be creative. Asking about those challenges, I also want to ask about excitement. Uh, What are some of the things that you are excited about or looking forward to doing during your tenure? Well, to start, I'm actually pretty excited to, I guess, say have a a clean slate here and be able to just start from scratch. Um, There's a lot of things that, you know, I want to do better and, it's it's really exciting to be able to, you know, be from be a part of that from the start, from the very beginning. It's not like I'm coming in here and adopting a lot of what Nord was already doing. Um, there's just, you know, updates with policy and all kinds of stuff that, you know, the municipal code, all those things are, you know, pretty exciting to me to be a part of to change. And some of my goals for the future is, you know, just making sure that this is a rock solid department where we have just really good policy. We have really good training. You know, everyone that works here is well-trained and um, I really want to focus on, you know, de-escalation and mental health training in our community and really, you know, building that relationship back up with Norwood community. I want them, you know, to to regain our trust and, you know, just go from there. And that's, you know, really our goal is just to, you know, just start from the bottom and build all those stepping stones up. You may have just touched on this a bit, but there's been a lot of conversation around the state of policing in the country How do you think those conversations play out in Norwood? And do you think there are any changes that you think need to be made on a institutional or cultural level within the marshal's office? I think basically I just want to have an open door policy with my community. I want I want them to be able to come to me, you know, with these problems and be able to work with them, whether it be, you know, what's happening in the nation right now with law enforcement, you know, if there's something that they're worried about, 
you know, I want everyone to be comfortable with coming to me and saying, hey, I'm really uncomfortable about this, and is there anything that we can do? And I think as far as change goes, I think, you know, this department, one thing I'm really going to focus on is just making sure, you know, we have all of our training in order, all of our documentation is, you know, just really spot on. Any kind of tool that we can use to make our job better and to make sure that we can do it the best that we can all the time. Chief Marshal Nisham, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with me and congratulations on your new job. Thank you. June is Immigrant Heritage Month. To celebrate, KOTO is partnering with Tri-County Health Network to feature the stories of some members of our local immigrant community in a series we're calling Heritage Stories. If you want to share your story or connect us with someone to hear theirs, reach out to us at news at koto.org. This week's story comes from a member of our community who wishes to remain anonymous. It's read in Spanish by Adriana Camila Munoz and in English by Laura Aleman. Hola, yo soy de Zacatecas, México. Mi vida en México fue muy bonita. No se puede comparar porque allá es muy diferente que aquí. Yo tengo tres hijos que están conmigo aquí en los Estados Unidos. Nosotros nos venimos de México porque mi esposo trabajaba en un negocio que dejó de funcionar porque quebró. No teníamos necesidad de venir porque mi esposo allá ganaba muy bien, pero todo cambió. Mi esposo trató de buscar trabajo, pero por su edad se le hizo muy difícil y nos tuvimos que venir para los Estados Unidos. Hello, I am from Zacatecas, Mexico. My life in Mexico was very beautiful. It cannot be compared to the U.S. because it is so different. I have three children who are with me here in the U.S. We came from Mexico because my husband worked in a business that went bankrupt. We had no need to leave Mexico because my husband had a good income, but everything changed. My husband tried to look for work, but it was very hard because of his age, so we had to come to the U.S. La primera vez que nos venimos, solo nos venimos mi esposo y yo. Y luego nos regresamos a México y volvimos a venir todos juntos a los Estados Unidos. Nos han pasado cosas buenas y nos han pasado cosas malas, pero al final aquí estamos y seguimos adelante. First, only my husband and I came. Then we went back to México and we all went back to the U.S. together. Good things have happened to us and bad things have happened to us. But in the end, here we are, and we must continue to move forward. Cuando cruzamos la frontera, primero cruzó mi esposo y luego cruzaron mis hijos. Cuando yo crucé, me agarró un oficial de inmigración. Cuando iba cruzando por la frontera, el oficial me miró y me detuvo. El oficial me forzó las manos en la espalda y hasta hoy tengo unas marcas en las manos de lo tanto que me apretó el oficial. Pero lo volví a intentar y pude lograr reunirme nuevamente con mi familia. When we crossed the border, my husband crossed first, and then my children crossed. When I crossed, an immigration officer arrested me. When I was crossing the border, the officer looked at me and stopped me. The officer forced my hands behind my back, and to this day, I have a mark on my hands from how tight the officer held on. I tried to cross again and was able to reunite with my family. Puedo decir que estamos muy bien. Aún con la pandemia, mi esposo tiene trabajo y mis hijos están trabajando. Pero aún extraño mi México lindo. Extraño la comida y todos los lugares hermosos. 
Extraño a mi familia, en especial a mis padres. Me duele mucho que mis padres estén enfermos y yo no puedo ir a verlos. I can say that we are doing good. Even with the pandemic, my husband has had a job and my children are also working. But I still miss my beautiful Mexico. I miss the food and all the beautiful places. I miss my family, especially my parents. It hurts me that my parents are sick and I can't go visit them. En el tiempo que he vivido aquí, me he dado cuenta de que podemos vivir una mejor vida aquí. Pero aún nos hace falta la familia que tenemos en México. Pienso que nos deberían de ayudar a poder regresar a visitar a nuestros seres queridos sin tener que pasar por lo mismo que pasamos para llegar aquí. Es difícil estar en un país que no es el tuyo. Hay mucha gente que nos apoya, pero a la vez hay mucha gente que no. In the time that I have lived here, I have realized that we can live a better life here, but we still miss the family that we have in Mexico. I think the U.S. should help us be able to return to visit our loved ones without having to go through the same things we went through to get here. It is difficult to be in a country that is not yours. There are many people who support us, but at the same time, many people who do not. Tenía un compañero de trabajo que me acosaba verbalmente cuando trabajamos juntos. Llegó al punto donde caí en una gran depresión y mi autoestima bajó mucho. Empecé a creer todas las cosas negativas que este compañero decía de mí. Me decía cosas como, tú no sirves para nada o vete de este país, que no quiero pagar por ti con mis impuestos. No quería ir a trabajar. I had a coworker who verbally harassed me when we worked together. It got to a point where I fell into a great depression and had low self-esteem. I started to believe all the negative things he said about me. He told me things like, you are useless or get out of this country. I don't want to pay for you with my taxes. I didn't want to go to work. Fue un punto muy bajo en mi vida donde no sabía qué hacer. Creo que esto era algo que simplemente tenía que soportar. Yo quería regresarme a mi país, pero no podía. En mi país tuve un incidente que me hizo temer por mi bienestar y tengo miedo de regresar. Un deseo grande que tengo es poder algún día poder sentirme segura de regresar y poder reunirme con mi familia. It was a very low point in my life. I believe that this was something I simply had to endure. I wanted to go back to my country, but I couldn't. In my country, I had an incident that made me fear for my well-being, and I was afraid to return. I hope to one day be able to feel safe to return and be able to reunite with my family. No fue hasta que decidí decirle a mi compañero que necesitaba parar de decirme todas estas cosas, que él se detuvo. Yo le conté cómo es que me estaba afectando y lo equivocado que era en sus comentarios. Yo le dije que por ser inmigrante yo no tenía acceso a servicios como estampías, Medicaid o desempleo. Que si yo quería comer, tener ropa, pagar mi renta o ir al doctor, yo tenía que trabajar y pagar todo yo misma. Este mes de la herencia del inmigrante, espero que tratemos de informarnos de las experiencias del inmigrante y que como comunidad nos apoyen y sean amables con nosotros. Porque ser inmigrante es difícil, pero nosotros estamos aquí y seguiremos trabajando para salir adelante. My coworkers stopped telling me these things when I spoke up and confronted him. I told him how it was affecting me and how wrong his comments were. I told him because I was an immigrant, I did not have access to services such as food stamps, Medicaid, or unemployment benefits. That if I wanted to eat, have clothes, pay my rent, or go to the doctor, I had to work and pay for everything myself. 
This Immigrant Heritage Month, I hope that we will try to inform ourselves of the immigrant experience. Being an immigrant is difficult, but we are here and we will continue to work hard and continue to move forward. On Wednesday, the Telluride High School girls soccer team beat Crested Butte 4-2 in the state semifinals. That means, for the first time ever, the team is headed to the state finals this weekend against Dawson in Colorado Springs. The team leaves early Friday. Normally, there would be a big send-off from the school, but since the season has extended beyond the school year, the district is inviting parents, fans, and community members to cheer the team on from the bike path along the spur Friday morning at 8.50 as they head off. The state finals game will kick off Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Go Miners! Prepare for a Main Street dotted with easels. The Sheridan Arts Foundation's annual plein air festival is back. Starting next week, 21 nationally recognized artists will take to the streets, meadows, and mountains to capture the light and color of the Box Canyon. According to the Arts Foundation, artists typically paint 10 to 20 pieces over the week, culminating in 200 paintings for sale in support of the foundation, which manages and maintains the Sheridan Opera House. This year, artists are coming from near and far, from Colorado to New York, New Mexico to Georgia. In addition to the traditional painting and sale, there will also be a golden hour quick draw competition and sale, where artists have 90 minutes to paint on Main Street. There will be a winner of the competition, and the paintings will be for sale outside the Sheridan Opera House. The plein air festival will take place June 28th to July 4th, with an art exhibition and sale July 2nd through 4th in the Sheridan Opera House Courtyard and Elks Park. The 4th of July will be without fireworks this year. But that doesn't mean all the celebration will be gone. The Town of Mountain Village and the Telluride Mountain Village Owners Association are joining forces for a weekend of red, white, and blue fun. Over the 4th of July weekend, Mountain Village will be the home to music, dance parties, root beer floats, cotton candy, and a circus. Musical acts will include Emerita, Boo Radley's Blues Experience, Trico, and DJ Harry. The Salida Circus will be in town as well with water balloon tosses, hula hooping, and chalk art. On July 3rd, there will be a free outdoor showing of the Sandlot. The town of Telluride canceled its 4th of July festivities this year, including fireworks, the parade, and the barbecue. Mountain Village's 4th of July celebration will take place in the village on July 3rd, 4th, and 5th. For a full list of activities and times, go to bit.ly slash MV Red White Blues 2021. Governor Jared Polis signed a $5.4 billion transportation bill into law last week under a bridge along I-70 where many Coloradans get stuck in traffic on the way to the mountains. KOTO Scott Franz has more. Drivers who travel the interstate near Floyd Hill could soon benefit from a $700 million renovation project in the area. But to help raise that money, the bill requires Coloradans to start paying several new fees next year at the gas pump, on deliveries, and for ride shares. 
Jonathan Godez is mayor of Glenwood Springs. He says the funding will be particularly helpful for his community. Every time there's an accident on one of these hairpin turns on I-70, it hurts our economy. Uh, every time there's a rock slide in uh, the Glenwood, Spring, or Glenwood Canyon, uh, it hurts our economy. Godez is also excited about new road funding for rural areas around the state. Most Republican lawmakers opposed it, saying new fees should be approved by voters first. I'm Scott Franz at Floyd Hill. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a chance of showers and thunderstorms tonight with a low in the mid-40s. Friday, showers and thunderstorms are likely with partly sunny skies and a high near 70. Friday night, there is a chance of showers and thunderstorms with partly cloudy skies and a low around 40. Saturday, showers and thunderstorms are likely with partly sunny skies during the day and partly cloudy skies at night. The high is near 70 degrees with a low around 40. This has been the news for Thursday, June 24th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 728-3206.